Welcome everybody, Good Life Housing Partners. We are sitting here at the downtown HQ, the downtown Los Angeles headquarters of GLHP. It is Wednesday, June 1st, and the year is just flying by in the midst of a stock volatility and deal confusion. David and I are, are, are hopefully powering through a uh, just a bump in the road, but it could be much more. We're still trying to figure it out. David, where did this find you on this confusing June Wednesday? This is definitely a confusing stock market time, and it's uh, confusing deal market. Yeah, deal market time too. Yeah, especially as as we've talked about in the last podcast. Um, you know, the financing market. You know, costs have, costs have yeah blown up. Costs have significantly increased on especially in the bridge lending market uh, where, where a lot of value add guys like us um play, uh, borrow from and uh, costs have gone up interest rates have gone up and and just you know led to turmoil and pricing yeah good ways yes um actually one of the things that's gone down which i'll can talk later more in the, in our number segment was surprisingly is lumber prices have gone yes, down actually 51%? yeah 51 yeah, yeah. exactly and uh you know that was a big topic in one of our earlier podcasts earlier this year where those prices have gone insane and, and have kept going up with all the rising demand for uh, home improvement projects and and housing and all that and uh and now it's uh with with i guess the fed's moves to cut inflation uh, for some reason those those prices have uh, dramatically dropped so it's, it's a good sign for from a cost standpoint, but still a lot of turmoil. A lot of turmoil. Debt costs have increased. It's caused. Uh, it's caused. I mean, in some ways, it's like if it's just a blip, it's kind of a good blip because it's it's caused like a, a recentering on deal terms, especially on purchase terms. So for guys like us that have historically been kind of net buyers in the real estate world, or mostly buyers. It's, it's good because like things that used to had become more and more challenging, like putting up a ton of earnest money up front, not getting real diligence periods. Um, those have sort of, they're not gone, but they're less stringent or less heavy than they once were. Like yeah. even just a month yeah, it's definitely given a little more uh, wiggle, wiggle and, or negotiating power to the buyer but, than, than, yeah. than it was definitely a seller's market before. Yeah, it was definitely a seller's market until about like six weeks ago. Now that's very changed. Um, and I don't know, I mean, I don't know, long-term fundamentals for the apartment market, and, and I would say even for industrial, and really even any housing market, uh, are all good. Like, there's not, like, we're not in a recessionary environment that we were a decade ago where there was a lot of supply, there was an absorption, there was, you know, I think the, the housing market, the single-family housing market, and especially the for-sale market, will, there will be some slowdown there, and it will be because inventory will increase and interest rates will increase and allows and so people that were at a sub three percent rate are now getting closer to five and that is significant especially when you're when you're talking about you know a million dollar mortgage or when you're talking about a, a pretty heavy mortgage that can really change your outlook on, on purchasing housing on purchasing a house yeah from a macro level i mean at least um the latest gauge of the the fed's favorite uh, inflation reading is the uh the core personal consumption expenditures price index, which actually rose uh, 4.9% from a year ago in April, um, which is actually less than it had risen in March. March it had risen 5.2% from a year ago. So there is the, the, the Fed's efforts are starting to slow things a little bit, or at least in, we've seen dramatic uh, impact in, in, in lending in, in our world. Uh, but, it, but overall, 
um, consumer purchasing, uh, you know, starting to have a little have, have, you know, moderating effect a little bit. So we'll see uh, what happens more of that. Let's talk about our uh, uh, little educational topic a little yes. bit before we talk some more about some other Good numbers. Segue. So, um, well, so we've so touched on some of our industrial, ten industrial before, and we really focused on the multi-tenant is, you know, finding industrial, mostly B assets in metros that are supply constrained. Generally, we want these assets to have some value-add component to it. Usually that's centered around just raising rents. Um, and, uh, but by and large, a lot of those also come with the added factor of you can change it from a gross or modified gross lease to a triple net lease. And we had a, actually had two investors in the last few weeks ask us kind of like, what's, they, I think they understood it, but they wanted kind of a better definition of what that, what that all really means. And so David, we were sort of talking about, we said this would be an interesting topic for the pod. So here we are. Yeah. So so let's talk about it, the te- technical high level. high level and also the technical definition. So there's really three types of main leases um, for uh, industrial, and this actually applies to office and, and retail centers too. These these lease concepts. So there's three basic uh, uh, types of leases. One is a gross lease. One is a modified gross lease, and then you have what we call a triple net lease. And so. Let's just start with the gross release, which is basically, and all these leases, in essence, simple way I like to think about it is it just really deals with how you're shifting expenses between landlord and, and tenant. And so at, on one extreme, you have the gross lease, or sometimes called a full service lease, and it's often found in office buildings. Um, and that's basically a lease where the landlord owner agrees to pay pretty much all the expenses uh, associated with the real estate investment, including the key ones are property taxes, insurance, and just the general operating and maintenance expenses and common area expenses, especially if you have multiple tenants in an office built building. So it's a very simple type of lease in which the tenant just pays one amount, you know, one rental amount that covers basically um, his, you know, his expenses and he doesn't have to calculate anything else as opposed to the other leases, which we'll get to. I think historically, if we go back even just like 30, 40 years, utilities were cheaper. There wasn't systems in place to kind of break these down, like sub-metering or just just basic accounting. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's hard for tenants because if they're not in the business of owning an office building, like how do they also budget their expenses and stuff? It was a little trickier. To the tenant side, it was more confusing. They had these additional bills to pay, and it wasn't quite as simple. And I think during the, I'd say like the, the shopping center slash commercial run up in the early 2000s, this became the real standard in, especially especially class A projects. Yeah. But even I think it trickled down to B and even C, where larger landlords were were putting in triple net leases to keep everything more fair. Yeah. Well, because because the because the, the yeah because the economics of it is over time just like everything else and inflation is a good example too things prices and costs and expenses go up yeah. and so and so you're kind of saddling the landlord with those expenses great good deal for a tenant but as a landlord investor you uh, you, you don't really like that and you you're looking for a more fair allocation of these expenses so so that's one extreme so then you go to the middle level uh, is what we call a modified gross lease and that's 
um, where the tenant's also paying what we call the base rent, which is you know the the minimum rent that they're paying. But then they're also picking up some expenses, and and how they pick up the expenses will vary. And oftentimes there's there's a number of ways to do it. One is you pay your pro rata share of certain common area and building maintenance type expenses. Um, but the landlord still, for the most part, pays the key structural costs, such as real estate taxes and insurance. And modified, you know, you're paying, again, for, like, the cost to, you know, the common areas of the building or in the shopping center, other things that you enjoy with all the other tenants. And and so it's a little more shifting to, 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 to the to the to the tenant and then uh, another way of, uh, you oftentimes allocated is you know makes it easy for tenants is when they get their lease quotes they'll get an estimate of what the expenses were and what their pro rata share is ahead. and ahead of time and sometimes they'll use this concept what we call a base year and so you know expenses you'll you agree to pay expenses over your over the base year so you start a certain year and then this expenses keep rising you'll pay your fair share of that and so, um, you know, a little more fairer to the landlord, uh, you, you know, a little more burdensome for the tenant because now you're actually picking up some of those costs that you can kind of free ride off the landlord in a gross lease. I think that overall that in, in states, I think it's, it's a little bit split. I think overall a triple net is really the fairest way to charge those common air expenses. And so I think one thing to define a little bit further is that when we talk about common air expenses, it, it goes beyond just cleaning a water bill. It's, you know, parking lot maintenance. It's the maintenance of the garden. It's the maintenance of the yeah. landscaping. It's the maintenance yeah. of... Which, which, which you as a tenant get a benefit of. E- benefit e- of even though there's, you know, you may not be, you know, you're not the only one using the parking lot, but you do get a benefit for it being maintained in, in that landscape or building security, you know, things like that, that, that benefits everyone. Yeah, or lighting. Or lighting, et cetera. There's so, parts of this that is... It is a it is a it is a direct benefit to Correct. having these shared expenses because that we've seen ourselves when these are not shared expenses and they fall all to the landlord, then unless it's a it's a very unique deal, most of the time the landlord also has his, his own issues or her own. Correct, issues. and 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 from an money to spend on yeah, and then more importantly for that point as an investor, and you're buying an asset, you need to know what type of leases you're going to be buying. So unlike you know, apartment deals are, you know, and student housing deals itself too, there's a pretty standard form of lease and, and it's pretty clear. It doesn't vary. You know, uh, you can, and in some centers or multi-tenant projects, office buildings, shopping centers, industrial, even, you could have tenants on different types of leases. Some might be gross, some might be modified gross, some could be more recent ones as more landlords have been trying to push more costs back on the tenants. Some may be triple net, and so, which, is, which is what we'll talk about in a second. And so, you need to know what you're buying because that obviously if, if you're responsible for paying more expenses, that's you're going to need to reserve for that money to be able to cover those expenses because you'll have a contractual obligation to your tenant, number one. And number two, um, you just need to keep the upkeep of the building. Uh, and so someone has to pay for it. It's it's not like you'll get the electricity and the other things for free. <laughs> yeah. And so and then the la- so to go into the last ex- uh, type of lease is the triple net lease. And that's where basically landlords don't pay for anything and tenants are covering everything. And those you all most often see in leases often where tenants lease the whole building and the whole project. And the tenant for the most part is, you know, triple nets, it's three ends, Liz and Nancy. And the, the ends are supposed to stay in 
to typically for property taxes, insurance, and just maintenance expenses. Now, what you maintain and what you don't maintain sometimes is negotiable. Sometimes it'll be a triple net lease, but maybe the landlord will agree I'll, he'll cover the roof or he'll cover the foundation or something, critical structures or maybe some of the um, critical systems in the building. But, but an absolute triple net lease is basically where the landlord doesn't do anything but just collect money and the tenant covers everything. And you can find some of those sometimes with a Walmart or a certain type of tenant who's willing rare. to do that. But it's rare, yeah. And so um, in industrial deals, just to give an example, one of our business strategies oftentimes is we buy properties that might be modified gross, but maybe the tenant, uh, excuse me, the landlord seller was not professionally managing and he was not collecting all his expenses or getting all his chargebacks to the tenants appropriately. And so we, when we do our due diligence, we see that there's ways to uh, recapture those those reimbursements. And that's a way for us to increase revenue for the, for the asset. In addition to when we sign new leases, we might, if the market trend, which we're seeing more and more these days, is to have triple net leases, we, we may convert these modified gross leases or older gross leases into triple net leases. And that's ways for us to, you know, save more more on expenses and, and also in addition to increasing rents just because of the, the you know rental increases in the market yeah I, I think that I would say overall though in industrial especially what we're doing that the triple netting of that tenant size and credit has is a fairly new idea yeah. I mean I think this is something that has really come around as the industrial rents have really pushed upwards that these tenants should be sharing the cost almost like what you were saying, triple, you know, credit retail, which would be like a Taco Bell yeah. or a Starbucks or something like that. And so these are obviously much smaller tenants, but, and there's a lot less that goes into these um, centers. I mean, it, these are often quite, uh, you know, they're, they're not really noticeable. Most of ours are not really that noticeable. They're mostly kind of sheds or they're, you know, they might be more fortified than a shed, but they're not something that's gonna, your eyes gonna immediately go towards for the most part. Now that said, we, we have seen some industrial, especially in areas that are, uh, I'd say like improving quite quickly, that that industrial is becoming more like retail. And I'd be just curious that like, because it's becoming retail, that we went to some in Dallas, we actually went to a restaurant in an industrial park, quite a nice restaurant too, actually. I mean, it was had the industrial aesthetic, but it was quite nice. And and uh, I wonder what those types of triple nets are running. Because you have to think the landlord has to charge triple nets there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the one, uh, getting a little, not off topic completely, the one other component that's unique too, and when you think of these types of leases is in the retail context, there's this notion of percentage sales too, which is um, where the landlord actually gets to participate in some of the sales. You'll see this in malls. And, uh, and other kind of uh, large outdoor shopping centers where, where landlords may negotiate these provisions as a way for a landlord to participate in, in the, some of the upside that the tenants have from their sales. And they'll have to, and there's complicated reporting systems where they report their sales figures and, and information to the, to yeah. the landlord. Yeah, I think, I think you, you know, this is, I think you're going to see, and, and just kind of like looking now to the, you know, looking ahead, you'll see more of this triple netting of costs not only in commercial tenancy and now it's moved well into industrial type of tenancy but I, I, we're even seeing parts of it in, in residential tenancy where you know and I know we've done it on apartment buildings like we charge roughs mm -hmm. we're charging back 
for the utilities. Yeah. So you do it at a pro rata share. That's become very common. But you're even seeing it where people start charging back for parking and amenities and things of that. Because the more and more it, 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 A, you, by assigning a value to these things, it forces people to be more responsible and use it more responsibly, like water, like electricity, like air conditioning, these yep. things. Yes. It, you become more, people are more cognizant of it because it costs something. Yeah. But at the same time, it also, uh, it just makes for a, a cleaner um, income statement. Yeah, because then you, you have a better clarity on what your different you types of expenses and you have more control. You put the control, control yeah, energy. yeah. And, and so, for again, going back to the, yeah, so, so commercial offices or industrial warehouse buildings, you know, since you're, you really only have so many tenants in, in, in a project versus right. an apartment building where buying, you know, units with 200, 300 tenants, there's 300 leases, and, but the leases for the most part will stay the same. With, com with um, office buildings and industrial, you have a few tenants. And so it's very important to understand what types of leases are there because that's, that's what's going to govern the relation. That's, that's what their – yeah, that's what their economic and legal obligations will be based on. Yeah. So you really do need to understand what types of leases that you do have. Yeah, it's, it's – it's it's, you know, I think 20 years ago, this was a fairly novel concept even for what would be considered non-credit retail. And I think – that was around 2000 or mid 2000. I mean, today this is this is no longer a novel concept. This is just kind of the way. This is the way it is, and so you so it's important to understand it's, it. It's, a, it's an important thing to understand. I think you'll see this uh, as as software and technology and ability to read meters and things like that become easier and easier. This will just become a part of yeah. everyday life. And so so speaking of, speaking of now going back to the market for a second. So speaking of we we talked about the. Uh, stock markets up and down. One of the interesting things that I saw about the sign, and this is, leads to my number, um, which is uh, 374 million. Quite a large number. A large number, which is, that's the amount of s industrial space that yeah. Amazon owns. And 374 million square feet. Yeah. And, the, uh, and so what's interesting about that is uh, because of all the stock market gyrations, one of the reasons. Uh, that Amazon uh, has also gone through a little tournament. I guess in April they reported their slowest uh, growth ever in in twenty in twenty years, and you know some is due to inflation and different things happening. Um, and so they've announced now that that you know they're going to pull back on some of their their offices because if if you're not of their as spacing. of their spacing the needs space, space yeah because okay. especially pre pandemic as peop more and more people were you know buying stuff through e commerce from Amazon and then it just super spiked during the pandemic with Amazon and Target, all these other companies who also wanted more space to make sure they could deliver goods. Um, you know, they had this huge spurt and that's, they, they went from in two, two, 2020, 275 million square feet to 374 million square feet in 2021. 325 to three, no, no, 275 to 374. So almost okay. 100 million square feet in, in a year, in a year. Yeah. Pretty quickly, and so and twenty now at the end of this year, that three hundred seventy-four million is expected. It'll still grow, but instead of the original projections, which were four hundred sixty million square feet, so three seventy-four to four hundred sixty million, they'll think it'll be four hundred thirty million square feet. So, not as much, but there's definitely a pullback. And and but see, I don't. I see. I see. I'm not sure because I've actually heard this too. But I've heard that part of the pullback was the thing that this was a. Definitely a pandemic stock. People are, there, you know, there was tons of goods that were need to be housed and then shipped. But the other side that I've heard is that they are actually what they're also trying to do is they, they're taking that 374 million square feet that they're occupying 
and they are just really focused on optimizing that space. Well, well, well that's the other thing, too. Oh, well, okay, and right. one, one other thing they're doing, too, is so out of that three, 374 million that they have, they are, in addition to not growing that much and acquiring so much more at the same rate that they were doing the last few years, um, 10 million square feet of what they do have now. They're, they're, like you said, it goes to maybe optimizing. Doing what they're, they're also going to dump on the sublease market to sublease, right. to sublease, which, which is a lot, of, uh, a lot of square footage. Now, the pr experts predict it won't necessarily have like this huge adverse impact or anything uh, because there's still enough demand from FedExes and Walmarts and other companies yeah, who want to yeah. avoid supply chain issues because of all these problems we have, that that shouldn't have a negative effect and absorb it. But it is an indication of, you know, there's a little bit of a hiccup still because Amazon is Amazon, right? And what they represent in terms of e-commerce. Yeah. And I think that the other story that's coming out is the, isn't that the, they're dumping the sublease space, is that they're actually using the existing space and they've added more like robotic features to Correct. it. And they're going, they're scaling this but, space but, upwards. But, but I guess my point is that the, the I, don't wanna, I don't know if it's the bubble is bursting. But yeah. but there's definitely you know at the pace it was going and the frenzy just like the stock market having such growth they were definitely not like on that rocket trajectory yeah. to the moon anymore no, that's, and, that's and, and really so that's an interesting it, that's indication. That really, you're, you're really coming out of a very <laughs> strong left field there. Just, nobody noticed that. Yes. That's an excellent observation there. But uh, it's well, yes, I, I I would say yes to it. The rocket is definitely sputtering a bit here. Uh, but I, I think overall, no, I it's think not saying the rocket's falling and crashing to Earth, you know, but it, but it's, but it's not, but it's, it's starting it's to, it's not, it's not yeah, to it's not moon. straight up, it's not it's to the not moon. moon. Yeah. It now might be plateauing and leveling off. Yeah, it probably is leveling off. I mean, so, how much? Which is, know? which is a good thing. It's not bad. I mean, at some point, it's got to level off. But I, I would say I thought that the more interesting part was that it was that they're taking a lot of that space and optimizing it. Like they're really putting a lot of dollars into, you know, making the the inventory stack, adding robotics, adding all this stuff. That I have no idea what it is, but like, that's you know I think that's an interesting point because really if you take five million and three seventy, it's only a few percent. Yeah, but but there will be crazy. more space in the supply, so there will be more space that so, supply, yeah. so 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 that should have some impact on maybe yeah. I mean, on, I think on the people one was on rents and stuff. Where they were actually putting five million back on the market. Yeah, so that ten was five was just in Atlanta. Yeah, that, well that'll that definitely hurt. That, yeah, that'll that's definitely impact that local. So I, I have a sombering number. My my number. And I think this has been said many times. But I heard this on uh, on uh, Fareed Zakari over the weekend. But uh, it's it's the Amer America is four percent of the world's population, but we have about fifty percent of the guns in this planet. So, you know, and after I can see that true. <laughs> a number of shootings through the years now and. Uh, I think it's just a very sombering number, and you know wherever you stand on it, listen, this is a free country. You should do a lot of things that are meant for freedom, but that's that's just a tough number. Like it just it's just I mean, I don't it's a lot of guns. A lot of guns, <laughs> and I think a lot of times, like I know it's David and myself, we talk about it, but we're like kind of like super jaded being in California because there is like pretty significant gun control here. They actually actually have quite a bit yeah. intact here, but. You, when, once you get out and you get to some places like you know out of Dallas and like or well out of Dallas, like, the world changes a little bit. America changes a little bit, and it, there is a gun, a real gun culture that can uh, that can emerge. And it's if you're not used to it or prepared for it, it can be actually quite startling. Like how how much people like that is a, is a core right. Where like, you know, I'd say for most of the people at HQ here, yeah. Well, be, you know what would be interesting? Yeah. It would be interesting if we didn't have the Second Amendment. 
Yeah. Well, you, you know, yeah, so, so, so what would the <laughs> gun laws be like? It'd be interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, it's a somber number, to say the least. Um, I, uh, content? content? Uh, I, I saw this uh, Clint Eastwood. I stumbled on this Clint Eastwood movie. I don't know if oh. I talked to you about this an interesting movie called Mule. Uh, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. This is where where, where he was this. Two thousands or nineties. Yeah, where he, uh, I didn't realize Clint Eastwood had made this movie, and he played this uh, you know retiree who yeah. basically was a drug courier, you know driving back and forth through these towns in Texas and other places where with the barbecue and stuff and uh, just transporting his drugs from Mexico to That's the United States. United States and uh, so it's interesting to see those sort of southern kind of towns and and the role he played. Um, in it, in it, I didn't realize he played. And Brad, it was interesting. Was uh, Bradley Cooper actually had a had a role too in it, which was not. Uh, it wasn't a great role for him. It was very. I think it, it was a minor role. Minor role, but it was interesting because I I was surprised that a sort of an actor of his of his caliber or his his I was on the upswing would do a movie like that yeah. for such a small role because it wasn't like he was but a lead character. An old movie, huh? Yeah. Well, I, I think he must have done it just to. Yeah, you because know, Clint Eastwood directed it too. That he just wanted to probably work with Clint, so it was a very interesting. Uh, mine was a senior year, which is a what's that? Rebel Wilson, and she's basically oh, Rebel Wilson. a high school senior that uh, I think in two thousand basically has an accident. She goes into a coma for twenty years, and then she wakes up modern day, and she wants to redo her senior year as now like a forty year old. Oh, that's Rebel right. Wilson, <laughs> and she's like you know she's like seeing like Britney Spears and she's got like she has no idea what a cell phone is it's funny it's, oh that sounds it's, very it's, funny. It's yeah. funny I like Rebel she's funny the comedy. I liked her yeah, pitch Rebel perfect <laughs> funny. Uh, but it's lighthearted, really perfect for like a lot of stock market volatility uh, and I actually have a funny upgrade I so I, I moved and so what I realized was like one of the things that like I hate is like you know when you come down to HQ it's parking and slogging through downtown and all this stuff and and so I was really concerned initially that like oh I was like I started Ubering and then I was like concerned that it'd be hard to get Uber because I don't live in the city anymore I live outside the city. But then I realized that where we live is very close to one of the cheapest Arcos, and so like almost cheapest gas stations. Cheapest gas stations. It's like remarkably okay. cheap Arco. I guess I don't even think we go to it because I think we use credit cards. So but you have to use debit cards. So. Nick, so this Arco always has Uber drivers because they're all like oh they're all loading up okay and so like it's actually like really easy to get Uber for my house because they're all going to this Arco so that was oh, so they're about to pick up oh well good 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 upgrade <laughs> any upgrades for you uh no upgrade for me I think I mean I'm about to go on a nice little a, New York I, City I trip had a nice uh, a nice poker evening oh well the poker evening I don't know if I call it upgrade up in casino yes yeah. I, I did upgrade to a nicer casino nice that I just dis- discovered higher yeah higher, higher game gameplay and met some interesting characters too yeah. <laughs> who were used to playing high game that's a very high upgrade for you all right folks we're gonna keep it short this week thank you everyone for joining thanks for listening it's uh it's been a wild ride the last six weeks but we've got a, a bunch of stuff we've come out with a, at least i think one deal we've got a couple more coming out and uh some exciting times ahead for sure we, yeah. we're bullish on on real estate we're very bullish on apartments and, and market uh, multi-tenant industrial uh, as well as our workforce housing. So we're we're bullish on what we think are three uh, parts of the real estate market that are, I wouldn't say recession-proof, but they're very recession-proof. Very, yeah, very strong. Uh, so we're excited about these new offerings coming out. Please do keep following us. And if you have any questions, do reach out anytime. We're always available. Thank you so much. Good night. Be safe, everyone.